be with you. Spoke to my daughter a few minutes ago, and 20 below, wind chill nearly 50 below. So we're experiencing a real heat wave here in the metropolitan area. But I want to thank all those by way of television this morning. It is a real honor and a privilege to minister to those by way of television and radio today. Let us um, bow in a word of prayer. Father, as we join in prayer this, this cold, chilly day, as the world is focused on the Super Bowl, we're also focused on the greatest Valentine's joy ever. And the greatest Valentine's joy or day ever, as we focus in next Sunday, February 14th, and this coming week, we'll, we'll be celebrating by the world as a Valentine's Day, the day set apart to show our, our love. However, our viewpoints on this day come from different sources. As believers in Jesus Christ, we receive a different viewpoint on love than an unbeliever, because ultimately, we go to the Word of God to form our views. We look at the world from a biblical perspective rather than a worldview. We believe the facts will support the scriptural views. Two big icons of a Valentine's Day are the heart and the love. Most of the time they are used together. For example, I love you with all my heart. The scripture describes love in one sentence, God is love, 1 John chapter 4, 8. And this is stated and further supported by one of the first scriptures many of us learn. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him Jesus should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16 The greatest Valentine's week and day ever actually took place in the Garden of Eden as Adam was carrying to the garden and creating names for the animals. The Lord God took notice, and in Genesis chapter 2.18 it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help." made for him. And that meeting and that meeting and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and Adam slept. He took one of his ribs and he closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he woman and brought her unto the man. As the passage Continues. Adam names his new bride by gender, she. She shall be called woman. And then in verse 24, God establishes a family for which I am so very thankful. I consider my family, my church family, my biological family, and the most precious gift ever. Second only to the ultimate greatest gift, which is the Lord Jesus himself who suffered to give us eternal life. Yes, as we read the Bible, we discover that the Bible has a much different view of love and heart relationship. While in movies, books, and shows, love is often shown coming from a heart that naturally expresses it. Scripture, however, reveals to us the status of one's natural heart without, without a relationship with God. For the heart is deceitful above all things, and 
desperately wicked, and, and who can know it? Jeremiah 17, 9. For from within, out of the heart of men and women, boys and girls, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. And all these evil things come from within and defile the person, according to Mark, Mark chapter 7, 21 through 23. And unlike, unlike what the world would say about the power of love and how it resides in us, just waiting to find the right person to lavish it on, the truth of the matter is that the power in love comes from Jesus Christ. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whosoever loves us has been born of God and knows God. 1 John 4, 7. And may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 12. And this is how God showed us his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we love God, but that, that he loved us and sent his son as a atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. 1 John chapter 4, 9-11. Is it even possible to love as the word tells us to? Can our hearts be changed? Yes, it can. It took the Son of God, sent from heaven, to do it. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17-18. How does your heart go from being stony to overflowing with love? We erase our past with God who can give forgiveness of sin and then receive your peace with God. He will give you a heart, a flesh, that can truly love as he has loved us. You will have the greatest Valentine's and Super Day, Super Bowl ever. As you taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And at this time, I'd like to call on Mike, and Kurt, would you share scripture, and Mike, would you get in position there? Our scripture reading today is taken from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 23. Well, let, let us prepare our hearts. Good morning, loved ones. Good polar vortex morning. Oh, yes, this is Minnesota. So we, we knew this day was coming. We just were hoping it wouldn't. But here we are, 25 below. I pray we are open and worthy enough. Servants through Jesus to receive this kind word of God bestowed on each of us. I'll be reading from the big book up here. It might read differently than those here or those by way of television and radio.
Start with verse 13, Matthew 2. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. And remain there till I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, was in a furious rage. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all of that region who were two years old or under, according to the time which he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled. Because they were no more. But Herod, when he died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus reigned over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and went and dwelt in a city called Nazareth. That was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled. He shall be called a Nazarene. May God add blessings to this reading. Praise God. Because with God, all things are possible. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good morning, brothers and sisters. We read first our scripture and that the angel had come to Joseph, the Lord's father, in a dream. This dream had a very critical message to deliver to Joseph to get out to Egypt to save the lives of himself and those of his expecting wife Mary. Egypt was not a small trip. They didn't have cars. It's about 150 miles away. Joseph took the action the angel directed immediately and left that night. Remember that the wise men that Herod sent did not return to Herod the way that Herod told them and instructed them to do. And Herod was angered and sent the order out to kill every male child under the age of two. He tried to get rid of that, the king that he had heard of in any way possible, no matter how evil. This was prophesied in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 15. Finally, I would like to point out that the Bible designates Jesus as a child, not a baby. This means that 
Jesus was between six months and 18 months old. But the angel also had a warning to Joseph about Herod's evil plans. Bethlehem was about a town of about a little over a thousand people, 13 to 1500 people. So the number, number of male boys under the age of two would have been probably about a dozen or so. Not that it makes it any less evil to kill every child under the age of two. Egypt provided nearby security for the Jewish people because it was not under King Herod's control. So Mary and Joseph were not in complete isolation in Egypt. News spread that Herod had died. And now it was clear for an Israeli return for Joseph and the family. Herod's son Archelaus continued his father's evil plans and continued to slaughter baby boys. He may have been just as bad or even worse than his father. So the Romans deposed him off the throne in 6 AD and he was exiled. When Joseph heard of this evil practice of killing baby boys, he became very frightened. Joseph had a fourth angelic dream in verse 19 through, 21, through 23 while in Egypt. The angel instructed him to return to Israel, so he fled with his family to the city of Nazareth. This fulfills the prophecies of the Old Testament that the Lord will be the product of humble birth and be called a Nazarene. He was born in Bethlehem and ended up a Nazarene when he returned from Egypt. It is also noteworthy that against custom of that day, the child and the baby is mentioned before the mother in the Bible. Also noteworthy, the, child, the word child instead of baby means that the Lord was probably between 6 and 18 months old when this took place, when they went back. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. This is also called the city of Luke. David was a mighty king, yet Bethlehem was very common and an unremarkable birthplace for Jesus. However, he did grow up in Nazareth, because that's where they moved back to from Egypt. From Egypt. And so Jesus is known as Jesus of Nazareth, not Jesus of Bethlehem. Therefore, he should be called Nazarene. It means at the very least, he'd never be seen, seen as a, or called an important nobody that come from Bethlehem. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you, Mike. I can't help but think of all the years Vern was on the road and he was trucking and the miles he put on. We used to talk about that. And, and then he retired from that and I think he went into the hardware business. And all the winters that we've experienced in our lives, it seemed like even in infancy, you know, Jesus was always being hammered and he was always being attacked from his infancy. Here, trouble awaited Jesus as soon as he enters into the, the world. Jesus' life was in danger from Herod's hatred. Jesus' mother and Joseph are obliged to take him away by night and escape to Egypt, according to verse 13. And it was only a type of all of the experiences of Jesus upon earth. The, the waves of humiliation, 
began to beat over Jesus even when he was on his mother's breast. The Lord Jesus is just the Savior that he's suffering and sorrowful means. The Lord Jesus is just like what you and I need. Jesus knows well what we mean when we tell him in prayer about our troubles, about the distances that we feel from our loved ones and from him. He can sympathize with us when we cry to him under cruel persecution. And let us keep nothing back from Jesus. Let us make Jesus our closest of close friend. And let us point out and pour out our hearts before Jesus. He has the great, the great experience of affliction. This morning as I was sprinkling some salt on the ice out front and out back, I think my nose got a little cold in my cheeks. I'm just trying to expand them and speak fluently. So nice to see the Smiths coming and their stocking caps. I wish I would have worn my stocking cap to the pulpit this morning. You and I are mortal human beings. Kings are mortal. We notice as we observe this scripture how death can remove the kings and the leaders of this world like other people. The rulers of millions have no power to hold on to life when the hour of their departure comes. This murderer of the helpless infants must himself die. Joseph and Mary, according to our scripture, hear the news that Herod is dead and at once they return or plan to return to safety to their own land. True believers, true Christians should never be greatly moved by persecution. Persecution, I believe, is going to be accelerating in the months and the years that we live here upon the earth. It's been prophesied and we can see it happening. As you and I as Christians are called to have a biblical view on society rather than a worldview, we're called to be nationalists rather than globalists. Our enemies may be strong and we may be weak at times, but still we ought not to be afraid. We should remember that the mirth of the wicked is brief, the scriptures remind us in Job chapter 20, verse 5. What has become of the Pharaohs? What has become of the Neros, the Diocletians, the Herods, who at one time fiercely persecuted the people of God? There's enmity among rulers, even in the world that you and I live in. We call the Bloody Mary of England. And why did their, their utmost to cast the truth down on the ground. But the truth rose again from the earth and it still lives and they are dead and moldering in the grave. Let not the hearts of our believers fail. Death is a mighty level, leveler and can take a mountain out of the way of Christ's church. But the Lord lives. Lord lives forever. His enemies are only human. The truth will always prevail. We hear in scripture about the obscure place. Fourth, let us observe 
what a lesson in humility. A lesson in humility is taught us by the place where the Son of God lived and where he preached on earth. He lived with his mother and his father Joseph in a town called Nazareth in verse 23. Nazareth was, was a very small town in Galilee. It was an obscure place as mentioned earlier once in the Old Testament. Hebron and Shiloh and Gideon and Ramah and Bethel were far more important places. But the Lord Jesus passed by them all and he chose Nazareth. This was his humility. We oftentimes think of, you know, our children kind of lingering around home and, and how um, children tend to return home after college. And here was Jesus that lived with his parents for almost half of his life, or half of the normal life expectancy during his time. He spent some 30 years in Nazareth. And in Nazareth, the Lord lived all of his 30 years. He was there. He grew up from infancy to childhood, and from childhood to boyhood, and from boyhood to, to youth, and from youth to manhood. And we know little of the manner in which those 30 years were spent, but we do know according to Luke chapter 2 verse 51 that Jesus was obedient to his parents, obedient to Mary and Joseph those 30 years, that he worked in the carpentry shop with Joseph is highly probable. We only know that almost five-sixths, yeah, it was five-sixths of of his lifetime that the savior of the world was on earth was passed among the poor of this world and in complete obscurity. Truly that was humility. Let us learn wisdom from our savior's example. We are, are most of us far too ready to seek great things in this world. Let us not, we cannot, according to Jeremiah chapter 45, have a place. To have a place and a title and a position in society is not nearly as important to, as what people think of us. It is a great sin to be covetous and worldly and, and proud, but it is no sin to be poor. It matters not so much what money we have and where we live as what we are. What we are in the sight God. Where are we going when we die? That's the important question. What shall we live forever in heaven? And these are the main things which should concern us. And above all, let us daily strive to copy, copy our Savior's humility. For pride is the oldest and the commonest of, of sins. Humility is the rarest and most beautiful of graces. For humility, let us labor. For humility, let us pray. Our knowledge may be scanty, our, our faith may be weak, our strength may be small, but if we are disciples of Jesus who dwelt in Nazareth, 
let us at any rate be humble. This is the character of Jesus that we find, the love of Jesus, and we find this in demonstrated particularly when they brought young children to Jesus, that Jesus could just touch these young children. And his disciples began to rebuke those that brought their children to Jesus. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and, and he said unto them, Suffer, suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as, as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And Jesus took them up in his arms, and he put his hands upon them, and he blessed them. According to Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, Jesus loves and cares for you and I. He cares for boys and girls everywhere. He wants to live in your hearts. Jesus has a plan for each of us. And Jesus wants to lead in your lives. Once, Jesus, while he was talking to his friends, Jesus taught that boys and girls, men and women, are much more important to God than, than flowers and, and trees and birds. Jesus says, birds do not plant seeds and store up food. But God gives and feeds them. God helps them from find the bugs and the seeds to eat. Flowers live only for a few days. And God gives them beautiful shapes. And God gives them beautiful colors. And he says, how much more important to Jesus than these? So if God takes care of the birds, the bees, and the flowers, he will certainly take care of the boys and the girls and the infants and the men and the women, as we see in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 33. He gives you and I the food and the clothes, helps you and I to be good and kind. We need to put our trust in Jesus. He knows what best for us. He is a loving God who wants to help all those who are in need, in your troubles, in your sicknesses, in your sorrows. God will help you. We need to be reminded of this almost daily. The Bible says that if we ask anything according to his will, he, he hears us. According to 1 John chapter 5 verse 14, we learn that a father had two sons. The younger son said, give me, give me, father, my share of the property. And that son, he took it, and he went far away from home. He and his friends wasted the money, wasted the inheritance, having a good time, and soon it was all spent, and then his friends left him alone. A man gave him some work feeding pigs, but, but he did not have anything to eat, and he was so hungry. And he thought, my father's servants have much to eat, and I go home and I will say to my father, Father, I have sinned. I can no longer be like your son. May I work for you as your servant. And the youngest 
son started for home. And the father is watching, and I imagine that father looking out, if not daily, if hourly, and wondering what happened to his son. And the father was watching and waiting for his son and how he missed his son. We know it as the prodigal, the wayward. And when he saw his son coming, he ran and he, he hugged his son and, and he kissed his son. And the son said, Father, I have sinned. I have sinned, Father. I, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. And just let me be one of your hired hired servants. But the father had already forgiven him, and the father told his servants, put a coat and, and shoes on him, kill the fatted calf, and, and we will have a happy dinner together. For this thy son was dead and is now alive. He was lost. We find in that ourselves. The story shows how Jesus loves all sinners. Those who admit that they have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, he's there to admit us into his kingdom. The Bible says there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. Luke chapter 15.10 And I conclude with this story. The Bible tells us of another story about how much God loves everyone. The Bible says that one day a man walked down a lonely road and he met robbers on the way. And they jumped on him and they hurt him. They, they took his clothes and his money. Then they ran away. And the man was badly hurt. He could not get up. And a priest came down. A priest came down the road. He also saw the man who was hurt and stopped to look at him, but he did not help him either because he was busy. He walked by on the other side too. And there was a Levite. A Levite came down the road, and that was a, a teacher of the law and scriptures, and he also saw the man who was hurt and stopped to look at him but he did not help him either. He walked by on the other side, just as the priest. And then finally, a Samaritan, kind of this mixed blood, came riding down the road on his donkey. And when he saw the man who was hurt, he, he stopped to see if he could help him, and he washed his cuts with oil and wrapped them up. He put the man on his, on his donkey and he took this wounded stranger to the nearest inn. And in the morning, this good Samaritan, this mixed blood who couldn't call himself either a Jew or a Gentile, in the morning, this good Samaritan said to the innkeeper, take care of this person until this person is well. Here is the money to pay you. If it is not enough, I will pay you more when I come again. Luke chapter 10, verses 30 to 35. This cold, bitter Sunday as the world looks forward to the Super Bowl. Jesus wants us, you and I, to be loving and, and kind to those 
who are in need. When the love of Jesus lives in our hearts and we do nothing because we are proud or, or we are selfish, but in humility, humility, we will think more of others than we do of ourselves. We will not look only to our own interests, but we will try to think and understand how others feel too. For the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, 13, by love, by love, serve one another. You and I, we are called to love our enemies and forgive those who treat us wrongly. We, we are never to return evil for evil. When we have the love of Jesus in our hearts, we will be kind to our friends. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, we will be obedient to our parents and our loved ones and our neighbors, and we'll be happy to tell other boys and girls and men and women what the Lord has done for us. Jesus loved us, loved you and I so much that he, he died on the cruel cross for our sins. Now, you and I, we should love him so much that we give our hearts and our lives to him. 1 John chapter 4, 14 reminds us that we love him because he first loved us. Father, this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed and Christians in prayer, it may be cold outside and we may be a little chilly, but we're called to be warmed by the heart of Jesus, by the heart of the Holy Spirit. We are called to measure the gifts and the talents, the nine virtues of the Holy Spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and long-suffering and meekness and gentleness and kindness and self-control. With every head bowed and every eye closed in those Christians, whether they be in churches at this hour, whether they join us by way of television or radio in the following week. We pray for those who are not with us this morning. We pray for Robin. We pray for others, Lord. We pray for the Reverend Pastor George Groves and Char. We pray that as he took this biopsy this past week of his bladder, that he, the growth, the we pray that it would be non-cancerous. We pray for those who are recuperating from various difficulties. We pray for our beloved Curtis Joe and those who may be going through hot flashes, even in the midst of this cold weather. We just pray, Father, that you would help us to tolerate the many infirmities that we experience as we think of Jesus, who Scripture said he had no place to lay his head even from infancy, from birth, they're always seeking him out. But whose mere nature was a nature of humility. May we be incarnated with that humility. And may we pray together, dear Jesus, help us to follow you. Though the cross and the standard behind empower us by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Turn in your bulletins with me to the prayer. Do thank those who send in their support by way of 
mail and television and radio, you join me in the prayer listed in our bulletin. God of grace and mercy, you are the source of the true healing that can make us whole. We remember this morning that Jesus' ministry was deeply involved in both healing of people's bodies and healing of relationships. As we take time now in worship to offer our gifts to you, we pray that they might be used to bring healing of body, of spirit, of broken relationships, and people who are desperate in need. This we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Would you stand with me for the doxology?
have any announcements or concerns that you have the, the um, get well card at the back of the church for um, Pastor George Groves and discovered a growth on his um, bladder and they did a biopsy and talked with him again yesterday and, and I figured it would be like four or five days. He did say that that the statistics are normally like if a growth like that it's 80% cancerous and also we're hoping he falls into that figure 20% and, and God heals him, a great, great man of God. Any other announcements or concerns, Kathy? Smith's doing. I always wonder, do you miss Liberia at all on a day like today? <laughs> I ask our next door neighbor, Peter, you know, his wife, Jody, fell down the stairs, you know, I married him a number of years ago, and she was killed. Peter misses Kenya at all, and Yesterday, you know, yesterday was almost as bad as today. The guy was standing out with his short sleeve shirt on. I said, you know, you don't even have your stocking cap on. Aren't you crazy? Well, I'm getting a little cold. He said, you miss Kenya. I said, you know, I miss, I miss the people, but I love America. I love America's freedom. Any other announcements? Kathy, would you like to dismiss us in prayer since you're not going to be here for a couple weeks? Who Tracy?
Yes, you could. Father, we just want to thank you for this prayer request with Tracy, and we just pray, Father, that as Gary and Kathy are in communication with Tracy, that she would hear good news. We pray for Gary and Kathy, too, as they travel. Lord, we, we know they're not teenagers any longer, and the, the days are long and tiring, and we pray that you give them a, a special um, sense of alertness as they travel by, by vehicle, and we pray that they would come back rested and renewed and, and with a really great sense of tan. And we pray, Father, that you continue to touch them and fill them with the knowledge of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.